0: Well, good morning. Good morning to all of you who have joined us online and those of you who are here in person. Well, our new sermon series is entitled Justice. And you know, we all have an innate sense of justice, of right and wrong, of fairness. And it comes out uh, all the time in everyday kinds of ways. We hear this all the time, things like, hey, don't butt in line. That's not right. Or, um, hey, I was here first. I get to go first. I think that about three times a week at this intersection of Worcester and King's like, what? You didn't even stop. I was here first. Uh, That is wrong. Something's wrong with that. Where's justice? You know, we think things like, well, how, how would you feel if someone did that to you? Or we say, aha, he got what he deserved. When we think instant karma, what we're actually thinking is instant justice. It's about justice, right? We say, hey, that's not fair. He broke the rules. So where does this come from? Where does this universal sense of justice, this desire for justice, this demand for justice, where does it come from? Well, it comes from the fact that we are made in the image of God. And God is righteous and just, And so it's no surprise that justice is a buzzword in our society. There are cries for justice coming from every direction. Cries for justice abound. We had a summer full of protests and demonstrations for justice. People are wanting justice for George Floyd. They want racial justice, social justice, economic justice, restorative justice, immigration justice, And even things like reproductive justice. Everybody wants justice. We want justice. Now, these cries for justice grab our hearts, don't they? They grab our attention and they grab our hearts. Who is against justice? Nobody is. We all want justice. But before we jump on the bandwagons of justice, maybe we should think about what the word actually means. Maybe the word doesn't mean what we think it means. Uh, So we want to take a look at the whole concept, the idea, the outworking of justice from a biblical perspective, because on one hand, we want to make sure that we're not jumping on justice bandwagons that aren't just at all. But we also want to challenge our hearts to realize that maybe we aren't passionate enough or persistent enough in pursuing justice in our world. What does the Bible say? What do we need to do? Alright, let's jump right in. This is going to be kind of a foundational, lay the foundation sermon for the next four weeks. And so it's going to be pretty basic, but we we need to have our definitions clear. So we'll begin with this idea. God is the source and the standard of righteousness and justice. God is uh, both the source as well as the norm, the measure, the standard of righteousness and justice. We can't really talk about the term justice in isolation, All by itself, because it is very frequently paired with another word in the Bible, namely the word righteousness. The two are hardly distinguishable in biblical usage Uh, righteousness and justice. And when righteousness and justice are used together, which is very frequently, uh, it's often talking about God Himself, God's nature. So we're going to take a look at several verses here. This comes out a lot in the Psalms and the prophets. Now, to keep you engaged, Every time you see the word righteousness or justice, you say it, all right? I'm going to read these verses, and you jump in, and you say the word justice or righteousness when it comes out. Here we go. Psalm 33:5. 5. The Lord loves and the earth is full of his unfailing love. Psalm 36, 6. Your is like the highest mountains. Your Like the great deep, you, Lord, preserve both people and animals. Of course, we just sang, we sang those words just a few moments ago. Psalm 56, and the heavens proclaim his, for he is a God of, very good, you're doing great. Psalm 89, 14, good, very good, and are the foundation of your throne, love and faithfulness go before you. By the way, we get that idea. that that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. We get that in in several passages. I just gave you one. Psalm 103, 6. The Lord works. And. For all the oppressed. We keep going. Jeremiah 9, 24. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness. And. And. On earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. So, we could spend the rest of the hour uh, reading verses like that. There are a lot of them that talk about righteousness and justice in defining God. So, God is righteous and just, it's the way God is. Justice, when used of God, is the name we give to the way He is. When God acts justly, He's just acting like Himself. He's the source and the standard of righteousness and justice. This is what A.W. Tozer writes, everything in the universe is good to the degree it conforms to the nature of God and it's evil as it fails to do so. So, as it conforms to God's righteousness and justice, and God has revealed his righteousness, his justice, in his character, in creation, in his word, And most eminently, most perfectly, most completely, in his son Jesus Christ. So God hasn't um, left his righteousness and justice as a mystery to us. He has revealed them to us. And we, we read verses that showed that it's throughout creation that God's justice is revealed. So when we put all these verses together, the picture that we get is of God being this almighty, sovereign ruler who reigns over the universe with righteousness and justice. Okay, that sounds good. We got it. But we better make sure we know what those words mean, right? What do righteousness and justice actually mean, and how do they relate to each other? So first of all, righteousness. Righteousness is the pattern of doing what is morally or ethically right, either individually or as a group and in relationship with each other. It's the pattern, the habit, the behavior of doing what is morally or ethically upright. But how do we know what is right? How do we know what is upright? The standard for righteousness is God. We have to have a standard, a measure, a norm. And uh, we get that in God himself, as we already said. All that God does, all that God thinks, everything that comes from God, all his commands are righteous and just, because that is his very nature. That's how he is. His character and his divine will set the norm, set the measure of what is righteous. So in, 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 in the biblical perspective, righteousness is compliance to or conformity to this divine standard. So to be just or to be righteous means to conform to a standard. Of course, biblically speaking, that standard of righteousness is God himself. God sets the standard. That's righteousness, the pattern of doing what is morally and ethically right with God as the standard. What's justice then? How do they relate to each other? Justice is the practice of bringing everything into conformity with that standard of righteousness. It's defining and demonstrating personal morality and social order according to God's pattern of righteousness. So justice has to do with judging uh, uh, individuals against this standard or the relationship between individuals against this standard or even uh, the relationship of groups and how they relate uh, against this standard. It's adjudicating to see if they are actually acting justly according to the righteous standard that God has set. Um, And this justice takes place in a couple of ways, and that's why we have this, uh, this image of Lady Justice. She's, you know, very well-known, uh, Lady Justice. So there's a lot of symbolism in this particular picture of Lady Justice that I like. Now, of course, she's blindfolded, right? So she can't be bribed, all right? She's not a respecter of persons. She's going to be very fair and impartial and objective in her uh, justice. But justice comes in the form of of scales or sword, scales or sword. So the scales have to do with equity. One of the great goals of justice is to bring equity to things, but there's also the sword, which is to punish where there isn't um, equity. Let me give you an example of equity. That really isn't necessarily a biblical one, but just the fact that when we talk about equity, we talk about making sure, providing the honor and the goods that are necessary to make things um, equitable and fair. So, for example, in our country, we value education. We think people should be able to read. And so we provide uh, public education, private education. You know, homeschool, we provide education, we value it, and we we feel like there needs to be a minimum, at least, of education provided to everybody. And that's only just, and it's only equitable, and I even think about our church has been involved for years in helping with literacy in the Central African Republic, and especially helping women learn to read so they can read the Bible to their kids. And we feel like that is, that is truly not just compassion, but it's also just. It's, it's making things equitable. Um, an example of the sword, then, uh, in making things just and righteous would be, you know, the most extreme and obvious example is if a life has been taken... If you, if you, in a premeditated, intentional, planned way, kill someone, you murder someone, then to make things equitable, then you either spend the rest of your life in jail, your life is in essence taken from you, or you're executed, right? Capital punishment. That's the, that's the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth kind of equity, right? Uh, to, to make things equitable. That's, um, that, that's what justice is about. But let me give you some more illustrations. I thought of this one. Um, We lived for uh, one and a half years down in southwest Germany, not far from a town called Rothenburg. And Rothenburg was a a medieval walled city. And uh, here's a picture, I think, of the the marketplace at Rothenburg. It's a lovely place to visit. There's the courthouse, the Rathaus. And if you look to the left there, you see an entryway. On the far left in that white building, That's still the courthouse. is an entryway. And you can take look at the next picture. And right beside the entryway to the court ha- yeah, house, you see these um, you see these rods, these iron rods of different sizes. Well, what's that all about? Well, these iron rods are the standard, the norms, the official measures for things. And right r- right next door is what's is the marketplace, and so you're selling and you're buying stuff. And if there's any dispute about whether something is fair and equitable, you can just you know. That, that piece of cloth that you're selling me isn't long enough. You say it's five yards, but it's not. And there's a dispute, there's an accusation of injustice, then you can take it and you can measure it against the standard. And so the, the standards are righteous, and the act of justice is to make sure that the cloth or the, you know, it can be measures, so it can be wheat or who knows, vegetables, I don't know, bushels. I, but the measure, making sure. That uh, what is sold and bought uh, complies to those standards. That is justice. All right. Let me give you another illustration. Um, Let's just say that this is the yardstick of righteousness. All right. So this is the standard. This is the measure of righteousness. It's it's an analogy. Okay. All right. It's it's not really righteous, but okay. Let's just let's. Imagine that this is the standard of righteousness, all right? And so then there are different ways you have to say, well, is this this stick righteous? Well, justice measures it, and the answer is no. no. So something has to be done, all right, to conform it to the righteous standard. Uh, This is looking a lot better. Is this stick righteous? No. So something's got to be done to conform it to the standard, Ah, oh, let's check this one out. How about this stick? Is this stick righteous? Yes, it is. All right, so yay, we reward this stick, we affirm its righteousness. But we got to do something about these. All right, in order to conform them to the righteous standard. And uh, for well, let's let's use an, a biblical example. Um, God says now He gives us again His revealed will uh, about how we should behave, what is righteous. And one of the things He says is that. We are not to steal. We're to respect other people's property. We're not to covet or to steal. That's the standard, all right? Well, along comes somebody, and they actually do steal. They take something. And so measured against the standard, they are not righteous, and justice needs to be done. And in the case of the Bible, there have to be reparations made in order to make things equitable. The person who has stolen has to pay back sometimes double, sometimes more, in order to make things equitable again. Uh, Another example would be the fact that God is gracious and compassionate and kind and merciful and uh, says that the strong and the wealthy should help the weak and the poor, that you're blessed in order to be a blessing. And so the Bible even gives laws about that. For example, it says, that farmers shouldn't uh, harvest in, in those days all the way to the edge of the field. Leave grain, leave produce for those who don't have much to come along and glean and to have something to eat. Don't pick every last grape off the vine. All right? Be generous, be compassionate, uh, share what you have. Uh, that, that's a reflecting God's righteousness, God's heart. Uh, but then again, someone comes along and decides, no, I'm going to take it all for myself. It's mine. All right, I'm not going to demonstrate God's heart of compassion and kindness. I'm not going to come to his standard of righteousness. Well, that means justice needs to be done to make things equitable. And in the Old Testament, what happened was this went on and on. People living selfishly and not living up to God's righteous standard. And therefore, they had to deal with their maker. And eventually, God said, you're not being generous and kind and taking care of those who... Uh, need help, therefore, I'm taking the land away from you when you put them into exile. All right, so justice was then done. Okay, did you get the picture? Okay, righteousness and justice. Righteousness is the standard, the measure, the norm, and justice is bringing things into equity, uh, into compliance or conformity with that righteous norm. All right, second idea. First idea was that God is the standard and the measure of righteousness, and the second idea is this. He expects humans to be mediators of his justice in the world. He expects humans, us, to be mediators of his justice in the world. That's how he set things up. He created Adam and Eve as his vice regents to mediate uh, his rule on the earth, to demonstrate righteousness and to uh, pursue justice. So we read things like this in 1 Kings 10.9. This, by the way, is the queen of Sheba talking to Solomon. And she understands things. She gets it. She says to Solomon, He, that's God, has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. That's your job as a king, is to maintain righteousness and justice. How about this next one? This is a, this is a royal psalm, and it's talking in its immediate context about the Israelite king, but we understand it then to be talking about the Messiah, the coming king whom we know is Jesus. We read this, endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son, with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones, with justice. That's the call. Now you think, great, rulers and kings, they're supposed to be just, and they're responsible for justice in the world. But guess what? God has called all of us as believers to be his representatives, to reflect his justice. So you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, hey, if you're going to bring your gift to the altar, if you're coming to worship me, and you remember that someone has something against you, that you have wronged someone, just leave your sacrifice there. Go be reconciled to your brother. Make it right. Pursue justice. Then you can come and worship me and bring your sacrifice. I don't, I don't want to see your sacrifice if you aren't first, willing to pursue justice and reconcile, by the way, is another way of making things equitable, all right, is reconciling. That's that whole idea. So it's for all of us. So injustice is sin. God hates it, and he's going to call it out, and he certainly called it out against his people uh, because they refused to reflect his justice. They were called to him in order to be a reflection to the world of his glory, they were to be a display people for God in the world so that people could see what it looks like to have a relationship with the one true God. And if you have a relationship with the one true God who is righteous and just, then in your behavior, your actions, you should be righteous and just, but they were not. And so we read um, passages like this one from Isaiah. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but he saw bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but heard cries of distress, because there was no justice. And because there was no righteousness and justice in Israel, because the leaders all the way down to the common person did not pursue righteousness and justice, God then sent them into exile. There was punishment for that all right what would god say to us if he's looking for righteousness and justice in our nation in our church in our own hearts he's, he he delights in righteousness and justice he's looking for it is he finding it all right there are three problems we face three problems that we face and they're not new problems <laughs> They go all the way back to the beginning, but we certainly can see them in our culture. Here are three problems with this whole scenario, three uh, maybe just huge obstacles that we face in this whole topic of justice in our culture. First of all, we want justice without righteousness. We want justice without righteousness. So uh, we have this inner cry and demand for justice, but we don't want God and we don't want righteousness. Now, how effective is it pursuing justice when you throw the norm, the measure, the standard away? Is this just or righteous? Is this righteous or is this righteous? Who knows? Who can say? There's no measure, there's no norm, there's no standard by which to judge that's a, this is a real deal in our culture right now, is it, and it, when you've tossed away the measure, the standard, the norm of righteousness so that you can pursue justice, all you get is confusion and conflict and chaos. You know what I'm talking about? I'll give you an example. Okay, here's an example for you. Back in the 50s and 60s, they did a lot of um, civil rights uh, legislation and they were trying to pursue equity in the areas of race and religion and sex. Now, the question is, what does the word sex mean in that context? Does it mean gender, male and female? Or does it mean sexual orientation and a whole long list of them? Guess what? Our culture can't answer that question anymore. It can't. Because it's thrown away the standard of righteousness. And so there's just conflict and confusion. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's a big problem. There's a big problem that we want justice, 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 but we don't want to have anything to do with God and righteousness. We, can, we want justice without righteousness, and it just doesn't work. Here's the second problem. Um, we create substitute standards of righteousness. So we get it. So people say, oh, yeah, you really can't have justice without a standard. So we have to create standards of righteousness. We've got we to have substitutes. We don't want this. We don't want that. But we, So we've got to create something as a standard. And, of course, ultimately the standard becomes what? Ourselves, our, our own individual uh, norms and measure. We measure all things by ourselves by mankind. The liberation of the individual will um, to be its own standard and measure. And this is what the Bible calls that, the book of judges, right? Everyone does what is right in his or her own eyes. Um, Here's an example for you going on in our culture in a big way right now. Because because we've tossed aside God and his standard of righteousness, we still want to have some kind of thing, so we create a standard, and a a big effort is being made right now to make the standard of righteousness based upon group identity. Righteousness and justice and morality are based on group identity. People are judged righteous or not, and their actions are judged just or not based upon the group that they are a part of. The standard of righteousness becomes the amount of perceived oppression, discrimination, disadvantage that one's identity group has experienced. You are are righteous if you belong to this group, and you are unrighteous, you're evil, if you belong to this group. Well, I'm just going to tell you that that leads again to, to massive confusion and conflict and disunity and chaos. Because it's a substitute and not a real standard for righteousness. I just want to remind you that Jesus didn't say, blessed are the poor. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the the New Testament in many places says, it's hard for rich people to be poor in spirit. But it's poor in spirit, regardless of what group you belong to. It's those who are humble and acknowledge their need for God. Who are the righteous one? Jesus didn't say, Blessed are the persecuted. He said, Blessed are those who are oppressed and persecuted because of righteousness, because because they stand up for this. If you stand up for God and His measure and His standard and His norm of righteousness, and you're persecuted because of it, doesn't matter what group you're a part of, you will be blessed. You'll be blessed, you'll rejoice. In the end, it'll go well for you, all right? But those are small problems compared to this one. Here's the third problem, the biggest problem. We are alienated from the source and standard of righteousness and justice. In fact, we stand condemned. We stand under judgment by the source and standard of righteousness. None of us measures up. None of us. When measured against this standard, uh, do we measure up? No one acts justly. We are alienated from God and facing judgment, each one of us. Because of our sin, we are all under the sentence of death. And that's a judgment that resulted when God's justice confronted our moral situation. Here is a powerful quote from A.W. Tozer. We need to kind of digest this. The vague and tenuous hope that God is too kind to punish the ungodly has become a deadly opiate for the consciences of millions. It hushes their fears and allows them to practice all pleasant forms of iniquity in equity while death draws every day nearer and the command to repent goes unregarded. That's A.W. Tozer. All right, that's a big problem, wouldn't you say? All right, let me continue with my illustration. Here's the measure, the standard of righteousness. It's God. What is this? Can you see what this is? It's a toothpick. No, it's not. It's our righteousness. And I can't even put it like this. I got to put it like that. Because in Romans 3, we read that no one does righteousness. No one is pursuing God. No one does what is right. No one does good. We we do not stand up to the measure of God's righteousness. That's the biggest problem. That's the biggest problem. If we don't acknowledge that problem, we're not going to get anywhere with righteousness and justice in the world. Let me give you another example of this. Why we all stand under the same judgment. Okay, here are words that people use to try to um, describe unrighteousness and injustice in the world today. They like to use the words, uh, these are the condemning words, superiority and privilege. Okay, superiority and privilege, that makes you unrighteous. Well, here's the deal. Superiority is just another word for pride. And privilege is just another word for selfishness. And guess what? Everyone, everyone, everyone suffers from the sins of pride and selfishness. So there is no monopoly by any group on superiority or privilege. Because all of us are proud and selfish. We all stand condemned compared to God's righteousness. We just have different ways of expressing our pride and our selfishness. What everyone needs is repentance and to be reconciled to God. So those are the problems, all right? We got problems. But there is a solution. God has given us a solution. And the solution, of course, is the gospel, The solution is the gospel. The gospel is absolutely central and foundational to all of this. The gospel is what solves this incredible problem. The gospel is what helps us to reconnect to God and to be made righteous by him and then to walk in relationship with him and be able to reflect his righteousness and his justice in the world. So the, the apparent contradiction between God's justice and his mercy were solved by the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. His, God's, God's righteous demand for justice was satisfied on the cross because he punished our sin on the cross. But his mercy was demonstrated for all time because he didn't punish you and me. He punished Jesus in our place for us so that the demands of his righteousness would be met and he could now, with grace and mercy, forgive us and declare us righteous, give us, impute to us the righteousness of his son Jesus Christ. And so the whole uh, moral situation that was unjust is reversed. He made the unjust just. The unjust is declared just through faith in Jesus who has become our righteousness. We read verses like that on the screen. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we go from being a toothpick, (laughs) by God's grace, he declares us righteous, Yeah, that's good news. And now when we are reconciled to God, not only does he declare us righteous, and he's done it justly, then he works in us the willingness and the ability to reflect and to live out his righteousness and his justice in the world. And so people accuse the church of saying, oh, you guys just talk about the gospel. You don't want to get your hands dirty, dirty really doing justice. And I say, you're right and you're wrong. You're right that we need to get our hands dirty doing justice in the world, okay? Bringing things into conformity and compliance with God's righteous standard. But where I disagree is this. Absolutely foundational and central and essential and critical to true justice is the gospel. It's absolutely necessary. It's the only way that we come back into contact with God, and the measure and the standard of the norm for righteousness and are empowered by him to be able to live out true righteousness and justice in this world. And so this is what the church brings to the table and it's massively important. So we are not, we, we not going to give up on this central factor that the gospel message is what we've been mandated to bring into the world in order to reconcile men and women with God so that they can they can be um, forgiven and declared righteous, walk with God, know God, and live out his righteousness and justice in the world. I saw lots of signs, lots of signs being held up in these protests. Um, no justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. There's, there's going to be looting and burning and rioting and demonstrating and, and protesting until there's justice. And I would say, no, man, that's, here's the deal. Here's what I would say. No justice, until peace. Until you have peace with God, there cannot be justice. And so we pursue peace with God, and the only way to pursue it is through the gospel message. So what? So what? Well, really, that's the the next several messages. Okay, I don't want to steal the thunder of everybody else. Okay, but Uh, the deal is that we do have to get our hands uh, dirty doing justice. Look at these powerful verses from the Old Testament about justice. Isaiah 56.1, this is what the Lord says, maintain justice and do what is right for my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. And then Amos 5.24, which is just the most beautiful statement. It's poetic beauty, but it's powerful in its message. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. We are to champion righteousness and justice in the world, and we're to do it in tangible, concrete ways. We are to give ourselves to it because it is an expression of who God is. Now, um, someone in our church who uh, works in the community sent me a list of the nonprofits—not 194. Nonprofit, most of them faith based, church based nonprofits in our organization. So it's happening. And I, I, I highlighted about a dozen of them that work with orphans or orphan care and, and foster families and adoption. And so today is Adoption Sunday. And so I'm glad to see that our community and our church are taking that seriously to, 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 to live out righteousness and justice in the whole area of adoption and, and fostering. That's good. We're going to talk about more ways in the future, but here's the deal. Church, rise up. I'm going to ask the the band to come. We're going to finish with a song, and I just, again, want us to remember these truths, is that God is the source and the measure of righteousness and justice, and that he has called us to be mediators of that righteousness and justice in the world, but the gospel is absolutely essential to that, and we as a church need to continue to hold on to that gospel message to proclaim that gospel message so people can be reconciled with God and that we can live out in concrete and tangible ways um, justice in this world. So stand, and we're going to sing the song that includes the idea of church arise. Let's rise up to what God has called us to.